0: Good evening, and welcome to Digital Wild Presents. Uh, this evening we have Jim Antonopoulos, who is the head of Tank, which is a strategic design consultancy company uh, based in Melbourne. Basically, we discuss all things from you know team culture to price discrimination in the uh, design industry to education uh, in our industry. Also, enjoy. Do you want to kick it off? Just maybe, just tell us a little bit about, it, um, a little bit about yourself and the, and the business.
1: Yeah. Um... My name is Jim Antonopoulos. I own Tank, we're based in Melbourne, and we're a strategic design consultancy, our sweet spots, um, probably have three sweet spots, we have three practice areas, municipal um, brands, where we develop brand strategy for kind of large um, organisations, um, cultures of innovation, where we teach... Um, what we know to those organisations as well mm-hmm. um, and creative leadership which is a theme that I'm really passionate about um, where we teach everything we know to kind of emerging talent in our industry oh,
2: Cool So Nick, uh, you've been through the, the strategy masterclass um, yeah. with Jim
0: Yeah, I've, I finished it a couple months ago actually, um, it was it was really good Yeah, it was actually quite a oh, job Well done <laughs> 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 yeah. do, you have, um, do you have like a lot more um, students signing on now?
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah, there's um, just over 400 or so from around the world, and because I'm um, constantly, I'm constantly updating the course, kind of even sort of older students are jumping back in as well. So that's really good to see. But um, yeah, slowly growing, and yeah, I'm pretty happy with that number for now.
0: Oh, cool. So, so you've like changed mm-hmm. some of the structure of the course.
1: I haven't changed it. I, evolve. I kind of I evolve it. Um, I add things to it. So I add new things to it. So if you would have if you finished it two months ago, um, yeah, you probably would have missed the last update. But um, and I'm updating it again next quarter. I aim for kind of quarterly updates of it. I think of it as a piece of software, so um, okay, cool. I kind of release new iterations each time. So it kind of grows, and you know, you have unlimited access for a reason. So
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Um, okay, one so, thing
2: that I oh, sorry, sorry, that's no, no. happens in a Can't <laughs> <laughs> say. Uh, oh, one thing I find really interesting that you do, Jim, and in looking at those sort of three, your three sweet spots in terms of your service offerings, it seems like a lot of what you do is just giving back things that you've learned in your career um, to both clients and, and and students. But you don't really see that much of a difference between, I suppose, potentially talking to a, a client or talking to a student. You're still sort of teaching and um, taking them on a journey as opposed to just coming in and providing a service and you know it sort it of a uh, more of a product yeah. it's it like education
1: yeah i hear you and you know i've been in our industry for you know what is it 28 years and yeah. um you know, i've seen the world changes rapidly and i think businesses like ourselves need to evolve and change as well because otherwise we'll be completely redundant So um, we're always looking for, you know, uncontested market space. We're always looking for new kind of uh, markets to tap into and new people we could provide value to. And that's part of that as well. So, um, and when you're in the industry for a long time, I I, I think, you know, you have to um, teach emerging talent. You have to uh, mentor them and guide them because you're only helping the industry at large. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, well, I mean, there was a topic that we wanted to touch on, which was uh, mm. team team culture. Um, so that's you know, yes, yeah, so That's I mean, that's something that we talk a lot about here at DN. Um, actually, before the <laughs> um, recently, we actually had to look through your website and saw that you had like a little card game exercise that kind of helps um, promote team culture, right?
1: Um, ah, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a. Um yeah that's a co- kind of collaboration that was created by Riders and Elephants in New Zealand we're kind of helping Jeremy along with that um, that's not our product but it's it's Jeremy's product but okay. we kind of collaborate on that on initiatives and yeah we really celebrate the work that he's done um which we're really proud of as well but um yeah c- team culture for me has been um a huge thing over the last um 11 years or so at tank and you know we've um made enormous changes to our business and um, around that specific area mm-hmm. what what kind of changes uh, i must say i love the photography on your website i'm just screaming through it as we speak <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, certainly, it brings us a, a big smile to my face so um yeah look i think i I think you and I both have worked with people who think that, you know, foosball tables, free lunches, and free lunches and uh, sure. social outings build culture, which and they don't. They, um, you know, and I've certainly been there. Um, but you know, we've built. Culture, um, you know, I worked in a, I worked in this business and specifically, and I kind of, I looked at this business and, and saw something a long time ago that I wasn't really happy with and not very proud of, and, and as an owner you have to take responsibility for that because you, you know, you're probably contributing to that problem, um, and you've got to turn things around. So I started, I started there, um, and one of the things we re, I kind of really reframed was the notion of culture. Um, around our teams and I kind of reframed it around three key things. One was accountability, uh, the other one was uh, responsibility and the third thing was transparency.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we re- rebuilt our teams around those three notions um, and continually evolved that idea. So. Um, starting, kind of looking back six years now, or so you know we tried different teams models um, that didn't work. Um, some people didn't work within those models, um, and tried to learn from that. Um, so it really was a process of trial trial and error until we get to a you know um, a working model that really worked um, around teams working together and then applied those three things around um, the way we sort of work with clients the way we work with each other partners etc um, and that for us built um, culture um, Frisball tables don 't make a business profitable or
2: sustainable <laughs> No, they definitely don't, especially when I'm at playing on them all the time. Um. <laughs> That's true. But yeah, I think what,
1: what, we've, what we've found is those three things build, you know, the byproducts of those three things for us was um, respect, uh, humility, uh, leadership, um, helping one another, uh, backing each other up. All of those things were byproducts of um, setting up a really simple framework around building a, a really positive culture.
2: One of the things that we found interesting, and I think we've had to work backwards, so uh, the business started really small, it was just me and a a few people, and and Nick's been with me for the bulk of that now, so you can can tell me if I'm... Talking bullshit, bullshit or not it. nick but um <laughs> like initially it was just a few of us right and 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 that there was a lot of accountability and there was an extreme amount of transparency because you know it, it was just a small team and and we were really working as, as sort of you know three people four people as we've grown we've had to sort of look backwards and almost sort of formalize some of that because the same as you we, we had people come in that 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 didn't understand that or that didn't have those values and and you know, we were sort of, well, why isn't this working? But I think it is actually, we've had to go through a process of formalizing what our values actually are and putting a yeah. framework around that. So when new people come in, we can say, this is, this is, what, this is what we do, this is what we believe. Um, and if that doesn't fit with you, then it's probably not going to work out.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what I meant by starting with myself, um, mm. you know, writing down my own personal values, writing down the business's values. You know, some people didn't dig it and that's, that's yeah. fine. It's completely. I, it's completely fine. I'm good with that. Um, and sometimes, and with those um, come some pretty hard decisions that you have to make as a as a leader. And and that's par for the course as well. You know, um, if. And I, wrote, I recently wrote about it. Uh, I wrote an article about it on my ju- weekly journal. And the title was, I'm the asshole and that's okay. And that kind of sums up the journey of a business owner building a values-aligned business or values-led business. Uh, some people aren't going to dig it. Right.
0: Do you find it uh, hard to kind of blow the line between you know, working with people being kind of too friendly and then being too bossy at the same time?
1: Oh, that's a constant thing, isn't it? You know?
0: Um, how do you guys do it? Sam, how do you do
2: it? Well, no, yeah, I mean I, I think I struggle with that as well. And I think because my, my personality type is probably, you know, n- non confrontational most of the time. So I I you know, you you have to work out when, you know, when you have to put on that leadership cap and and, and, and say things that might not be making someone happy, um, or the things that just need to get done. But I, I mean I find that hard. I think that's one of the, the hardest things I find about being a leader.
1: Mm. yeah I think one of the um, in my experience anyway one of the the biggest um, fallacies or falsehoods that you can set up as a business owner or as a leader um, in a small business especially is that we're all going to be we 're all in this together forever. setting that up at, right at the beginning is a is letting you 're going to let people down immediately um, and i've worked with um, people like that that have um, created this notion that You know, this is a family. We're all here for a long time, um, etc., etc. People are going to leave. You know, people have lives outside of work um, that, and things are going to happen. They're going to have babies. They're going to partner up. They're, they're going to get sick of the work you're doing in your business and move on, you know. Mm. They're going to grow sometimes faster than your business is growing. So And they'll leave. Um, setting, up that, setting that up at the beginning, uh, that f- notion of family and in it together, is real falsehood, um, I believe.
0: Okay. There's actually one, one story that stuck with me that you said um, when we went to your workshop in Melbourne. Um, you said that you were interviewing someone and they asked you that, um, you know who are the five people that I should talk to, and then he ended up working yeah. for one of those people, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think some of that that story also. Um, we talked about uh, someone who, uh, in their job yeah. interview, I talked about her exit, uh, and we openly talked about, um, you know how long she was, or she led the discussion, mm-hmm. um, and I really admired that, and I, I personally learned so much from that discussion, and this was a. a, a excuse the term, young uh, professional wo- woman, um, but probably her second or third job and showed incredible amounts of maturity to to tell me in her job interview that she's thinking of a kind of five-year horizon um, after which she'll go and work um, in the UK. We had a an hour and a half discussion in her um, interview. Uh, I hired her um, shortly after and we planned those next five years together to the point where in year th- Four, or f- four and five, I was reaching out to organizations in the UK to help her find um, work and job interviews, etc. And then she eventually moved on. And oh, wow. that, to me, is a really meaningful professional relationship where both parties are transparent and honest about uh, the horizon, one another's goals. Um, the other thing, you know, is uh, bullshit, you know.
2: <laughs> 100%. And I, I think that mm. just breeds... Trust from the get-go, right? Absolutely, I mean, for, for, absolutely. On, on, for both for both sides. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and those five years are probably, you know, incredible. And and you can you, know, you can do so much in five years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, whether it's one year, two years, or three years, yeah, that's years, right. time, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't. Whatever it is,
2: it's um, yeah.
1: Both parties are really clear and honest with one another. There's no uh, pretending. Uh, there's no falsehoods. Um, no one's leading anyone. You know, um, yeah. It's a meaningful professional relationship.
2: It's also, uh, I think, uh, it puts the the business itself in a good platform for like when you're there at Tank, you know, helping build something you're there and you're all in but it's yeah like you said it's not this sort of forever thing that you're scared to tell you that actually i'm going to leave one day yeah
1: Yeah, absolutely i might leave one day you know and i'm the business owner and i say that out loud to everyone you know i might choose to leave one day Mm um and that's okay you know life (laughs) happens Mm -hmm. um people make decisions we all grow uh we grow out of things um you know, I think why pretend anything else? Yeah.
2: And I think in the industry that we're in, if you don't adopt that kind of attitude, and we see it obviously happen all around us with, with firms, you sort of get stale, and you know, you you just you, you lose the edge. I think so. Um, oh, you know, yeah. just fall into a false sense of security.
1: You do. You're kind of that little mouse on the uh, little wheel inside the cage, <laughs> just going round and round, um, thinking you're you're gonna get somewhere. <laughs> One other change we made to culture was um, we looked at our working hours. Um, we built core hours of nine thirty to four thirty. Now you know our teams, our people walk in when, um, pretty much when they like, but um, there's a you know there's an understanding there that we'll all be here nine thirty to four thirty, mm-hmm. and saying that. Um, You know, we're seven people. Uh, We only have one full-timer. Everyone's part-time. Every role in the business has the option of going to part-time. Principles and policies like that build culture. They also build um, autonomy, which is really important. People don't always want to have someone looking over their shoulder. They want to be trusted. Mm. Um, So that was one of the really uh, tangible um, chunkier things we did um, only re- recently, over the last 12, 18 months, really, um, where we moved to a 9:30-4:30 core working hours, um, and predominantly, or absolute majority of um, people working in the business part time. Okay. So, and how do been, they?
2: How do you? How do you manage the part-time aspect of it? So, yeah, is yeah. that is it, it contract-based then, or like uh, but
1: mostly permanent? Um, yeah. You know, we have other we have other things. We have weekly rhythms where we have a um, a conversation on Monday mornings or the beginning of the week. Um, it's a public holiday. Um, except when a public holiday happens, it kind of ruins the rhythm. But um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the week, we have. Um, uh, a get-together around, um, it's really about self-awareness, it's not a whip, it's um, how we're feeling, You know what we're aiming to achieve, um, what we're struggling with, if we need help with something, uh, if we're in or out, if we're checking out, that sort of thing. Um, and at the end of the week, we uh, reflect on the week, um, All in, like everyone reflects, Um, and that for us is an established rhythm. Again, another contributor to building culture and transparency um, around one another. That's been really, um, really good for us.
2: What's your thoughts on? I mean, obviously, going to the part time kind of probably um, erases the need for this. But you know, around the four day work week or the you know the nine day fortnight and some of those practices.
1: Yeah, I work nine days a fortnight. Um, yeah. I must—I'll tell you—our productivity over the last uh, twelve to eighteen months since moving to that model has skyrocketed. Um, I don't—you know—I've been in this business eleven years. Um, yeah, I—I I just think probably we've been our most productive and efficient uh, in that time. You know, we've—we've we've, um, one example. You know, i have sat—I've been in the. Um, in today and I was just working on some proposals you know I knocked out three proposals today um in seven years ago that would have taken us a week and a half <laughs> and probably a couple of people um, so we've our processes our systems are all realigned because of that model so uh, rather than being slaves to the process uh, we tell it how to behave so um, if we're working if I'm working nine days a fortnight or you know, Karina's here three days a week or Taryn's here two days a week, the system has to fall in um, and work with that. Um, yeah.
2: Just out of my own personal interest, what some of the uh, systems to get those, uh, you yeah. Four or five days of proposals down to a couple of <laughs> hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, then I'll kill you.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, look, it's 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 not rocket science. It's not a secret application. It's not a um, secret set of tools that we've purchased or that we've created ourselves. Like it's a it's a logical cohesion of uh, putting things in the right place ensuring the information that's needed is is available when it is needed and uh, it's formatted correctly and all of that um it's a whole bunch of things it's not it's not a, it's not a magical thing you know if you sat down and thought about it how might i pro- how might i knock out a proposal in three hours not 30 uh, you'd find the answer you know um
2: yeah no i mean it's one of those things that we spent i mean it just it's constantly evolving i think i um i saw uh Ends talk the other week. I don't know if you've come. I'm sure you've come across him before. Yeah, I have yeah. Um, but um, and probably you know nothing that that new. But I mean, some of the stuff he was talking around. You know, just stripping things down to one page proposals, and you know, not not necessarily giving too much away um, for free initially um, at that sort of pitching point. Um, oh, it was yeah. interesting at his talk. I mean, we don't do a lot of it, but a lot of you know, say a lot of. Uh, graphic design agencies and agencies who work for the government and you just can't get away with doing that. You know, they, they demand the 30 page tender or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts, I suppose, on how much work should a creative agency do, you know, before you are actually getting paid to, to jump in?
1: I wouldn't do anything unless I was being paid. Um, if uh, I, We do a lot of government work, federal government work, um, when the submissions are quite large. But, you know, they're, they're pro forma tools that they supply, uh, sorry, pro forma templates that they supply. Uh, Most of them are done, if not all of them, are done by the procurement um, division of the agency, not the people who are going to hire you. So, you know, there's um, boxes that need to be ticked and forms that need to be filled out, and usually they're the same across the board, uh, which can move you towards a solution, an efficient solution, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, As far as how much work to do in a proposal uh, before you get paid, uh, You know the bare minimum (laughs) yeah i'm not an advocate for doing free work at all
0: Mm -hmm. in our industry especially i feel like it's a bit of a sickness that people just expect us to work for free
1: yeah yeah it is i guess so and you know um I'm too old to sit here and and try to convince people that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I've decided that my business doesn't do it. Um, I've written about it publicly. Um, there's an article that we have hosted on our Medium um, account, which I just used sh- sh- used to, used to uh, send clients who asked to. Uh, we no longer get asked because we kept saying no. Mm. Uh, we no longer get asked, and that's wonderful. You know, I can now focus on uh, clients that. Uh, respect our, the value we provide, mm-hmm. um, respect the expertise that we bring to the table and pay and there's a fair value exchange um, between us yeah. Yeah. and that comes with aligning on your values um, going right back to the beginning of our conversation around culture um, you know if you really you know, we talk about values and we throw those words around um, easily you know don't we yeah. um, but, oh, yeah, but sure. you know how how yeah how willing are you to stand by them and turn around and sack a client because of them? Mm. That's when they're your values,
0: right? Right. Mm. Yeah. When when we're quoting for work, what's your thoughts on price um, discrimination? Like in terms of you know the, the types of different clients? Do you think it's yeah? Do you think it's a fair practice or it's yeah?
1: You know, as, as a private enterprise, you can charge going rate, right. right. you know, if you can charge five grand a day, ten grand a day for your services, kudos, you mm-hmm. know. Um, if you run a workshop for forty k, brilliant,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know. And and your competitors are charging four, and yet you win. Mm-hmm. Good on you.
2: Yeah. I think it comes back to what you were saying before around um, around values and around value itself, right? So if some if someone sees that value in that forty k, and actually. You know, ap- appreciates the work and the and the you know all of the the history of work and and knowledge that's gone beforehand that's gone into it. Then then great. Um, oh, I think absolutely finding those clients that actually align from the get go. You know, because if you if you're shopping around for the lowest you know the lowest price, then most of the time it, you know would tank anyway. The, the values are probably not going to be aligned if you just want to you know an hourly rate with line items drawn out for you and you know give me a 20% discount mate um, that's probably not going to be a good starting point for a relationship
1: no, no of course not no it's very transactional um, yeah very transactional mm-hmm. we we, we we have some really. I've never really been able to say this until probably the last couple of years. Is that we have some really amazing clients. Not we actually all of our clients are just really amazing, and that comes from being values aligned. Because the ones that um, aren't are no longer here. Um, the ones that are stay, and more of them, more values aligned clients come. And the price is really the uh, the the. The, you know, the price is part of it you know what they pay and how they pay and we have open and fair discussions and very transparent discussions with our clients around price once that's done yeah the rest is professional and amicable and very much al- uh, aligned um, yeah with clients mm-hmm. yeah just to re- go back to your question around um, how I feel about pricing and you know whether it's morally correct just reading in between those lines I feel like um, I feel like there's a notion that we should feel guilty if we're charging a certain amount for certain clients and others, mm-hmm. or um, and it's not charging the industry norm. Again, you know, probably part of the um, weakness of our industry isn't it, that why should that guilt exist?
0: Mm,
1: yeah. Why should that even be a question? Um, PWC aren't asking that question. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you Why know, I'm asking that question?
2: <laughs> I think that's part of the problem is that um, you know it's a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes. Like having you know been a freelancer for eight years, um, you know, like often I was just making decisions, very transactional decisions as a service provider as well, just thinking, right, this is what I need to make rent this month. Um, yeah. And often, you know, probably devaluing my services for the sake of that i think that's something that has been a slow process to try and get my head out of i think from your perspective taking that strong stance you're right pwc wouldn't do it a lawyer is not going to do it a plumber is not going to you know come back to your house two weeks later and fix something wrong wrong with the pipe just because you know we've got an unhappy customer it it is what it is um i think being strong, strong about that um, but, I mean, to be fair, it, as a business owner, it, it's hard as well because you've got other, other things to worry about. So it's, it's finding that balance, I think.
1: Mm. Yeah, we kind of think about it um, around the value we can provide um, which will then dictate the where we you know where you pitch the price and yeah. you know what other value what other value we can add outside of you know um, pay one dollar for this one thing you know um, it's a value exchange between two parties um, and I think one thing that we don't do collectively um, as an industry is kind of honour the the seat of leadership within our businesses. I did a really great um, workshop with the former AFL CEO Cameron Shrub and he talked okay. about talked about honouring the chair or honouring the position of leader, and I think that's really poignant to me personally because you know, if we if we honoured this position, we would then understand it a little bit more clearly and be able to then negotiate the terms of interacting with that position a lot better. Hmm.
2: What, do, you, do you just want to explain that a bit a bit further? Like, what, how, yeah. how slow are in the conditions? Well,
1: Yeah. So, I'm um, teaching people in university who are about to enter the industry uh, to better understand the value they provide as emerging leaders, not as uh, juniors, not as juniors. Yep. Uh, which is what the education system mm. pumps out, and you know they brainwash these uh, young kids into thinking they're going to have to do uh, free internships, pay their dues, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. The list goes on. Instead yep. of teaching them to honour the the skills that they have, the um, potential leadership positions that they can craft and, cr- and create to honor their craft as well, um, and then un- understand the value, and the, which includes both price and value as well, that they can offer the market. Um, it begins there. Um, and then, you know, fast forward 10 years later, and Sam, Nick, and Jim honor the chair they're sitting in. Yeah, maybe 20-odd I, I, years later.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I. 100% agree. I think I think that's a shift that needs to, that needs to happen younger because you're right. It was, you you sort of you come out of that, you know, whatever that transition phase might be of study, thinking very much, okay, now, now I now I need to start climbing the rungs of whatever it might be. In, in, in lots of industries.
1: Yeah, I know people who have graduated from university and um, had have said, you know, fuck the system. I'm going to start my own thing. And th- some of them are now some of um, Australia's best design talent, and they've they've really just uh, sidestepped the entire system.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's there's many different there's many different paths being taken on on Absolutely. the subject of university. What's your thought from it from it? design perspective so I studied uh, I studied viscom uh, early 2000s it was like a long time ago right now and I mean looking back on I dropped out in the end of the second year because I was very interested well in digital uh, in 2000 and, and you know we were to be honest I mean a, a lot of the course looking back on it was, was solid sort of you know design principles and um but yeah I was like this isn't this isn't going to work for me at the time um which was which worked out well in the end but uh, I I see I do a bit of mentoring at a, at a uni mm-hmm. and UNSA and I see a lot of third year students that just feel very lost. They don't really know what direction they're going. They, you know, they're about to finish their degree and they feel mm. you know in a similar position they were when they started.
1: Mm. That's so sad, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's so sad. Um, I spoke to some final year students at a um, educational institution recently. Um and Fuck, that was so stressed. Like, and, I, and you'd think they'd be ready, you know, they were finishing up in a few weeks and you'd think they'd be just excited and ready to just jump in. Um, yeah. and But they were just, most of them were asking, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. Now, that's amazing. <laughs> that amazes me. That's the, the preparedness uh, weeks out from uh, quote unquote graduating mm-hmm. uh, is just not there.
2: It just—I mean—it doesn't make sense. We had a there's a firm next to us for a while. One of the designers there said he learned more in the first week on the job than he you know, had at uni. And that doesn't doesn't surprise me at all. To be honest, I think you know, oh, I, yeah. I, I learned more in six months of freelancing, you know, when I first quit my job and went out than I did in you know, all the study I did. I think you know it, it's actually applying the knowledge and you know going through the ups and downs and and learning. Yeah, you know, the hard way that that tends to actually propel you forward.
0: Yeah,
1: I agree. Yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. um, like great um, saying, "Progress is better than perfection," and you know, just yeah. doing it and getting on with it um, is far better. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you yeah, know, I have an interesting relationship with education. You know, I um, I drew really well when I was young and thought that I would be an illustrator or some sort of graphic designer. But, you know, the graphic design, I got rejected from graphic design degrees three years in a row right. from um, Melbourne-based universities. Um, so never got actually got in, um, studied design at TAFE um, and fucking hated it. Like I was just bored out of my head. I was, you know, the Bauhaus and all of this just bored me sure. to tears, you know. <laughs> Um, and then got, eventually got into the marketing degree at um, RMIT, advertising marketing degree, which you know I really enjoyed. Three years of that, and or four years, can't remember. But that was mm-hmm. early '90s, and um, and when I graduated from that, you know, the internet happened mid '90s, and I was I was like a kid in the candy store. I got a job in a digital agency. Um, so I look back on the education I had, it didn't prepare me to work in digital because it couldn't have. Mm. It just couldn't no, that's right. Um, it, I had some fundamentals there that I could apply, um, but then spent, you know, four or five years in dot-com, um, actually 18 years in digital agencies, four or five of those were dot-com before it blew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that was really formative for me. Um, and, you know, education just couldn't have or didn't want
2: to prepare for mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, that, what happened in the '90s with the sort of the digital the start of the digital revolution, but that it's it's going to continue so much more so now in terms of it, the three years you've done at uni, or the you know the five years you've done study, or even or even from when you know you start high school to when you graduate, the the, the jobs are going to be different. The you know the oh,
1: completely the, the
2: actual practical skills that you need on a day to day basis aren't aren't going to be the things you learn in high school. So I think you know it's, it's and I know that they're doing a lot of work around this in different parts of the world thinking about how do we actually fix what's essentially a broken education system for a digital world Mm.
1: yeah I'd love to see graduates come out with um, you know studies in empathy or leadership yeah
0: Yeah. or um, self-awareness people skills skills, really yeah
1: yeah, those really and also self-skills that ability to be self-aware yep. and um, and humble and uh, powerful and vo- embrace you know, excuse the cliche vulnerability mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, those skills would be enormous paired with um, really great. Um, I use the term holistic design skills.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is like it is alarming that those aren't subjects yet. You know, just empathy, critical thinking, just learning how to speak to people. You know
1: yeah well i do have I have three children my twelve year old starting high school next year and um, she chose a leadership elective um, so nice. it's oh. changing somewhere <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, nice.
1: which is really awesome yeah.
0: even like even with an act- the actual quality of things that they're teaching at the unis like we've got an intern here um, who designed his first app and he was showing it to me and I gave him like a really long list of you know things he could do better and he he told me that he showed his, his uh, teacher right? and she's like, oh, it's great, it's fine. Like, all of it's fine.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: what do you do? Nick, Nick, you've got that to look forward to with, with Bonnie. Show her, the, okay. show her the right way. Yeah, that's, uh,
0: yeah, it's going to be a while though. It's only two still.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, th- think about the world that she's going to be like, you know, going out to in 20 years when she's, you know, entering the, the workforce? Like, what's, what's that world going to look like? Oh, yeah. And I, I think that those skills that, that Jim talked about, are, you know, they're timeless, right? But they're going to be applicable throughout you know, any 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 career path um, in any sort of historical moment, whereas, you know, just learning by rote, you know, from an outdated textbook is not really going to get you very far.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how... You know how most most of the older demographic kind of perceived um, like teenagers nowadays as like very antisocial. Like I'm, I'm just wondering if that's gonna like flip eventually, where I don't know, maybe like the next generation become too social or something like that.
1: Well, maybe. <laughs> yes. But you know, my parents used to say that about me watching too much TV. I, yeah.
2: So you and, know, and yeah, I think we're it's saying that about our kids now. Yeah. It's just a it's just a generational thing. I think I think it goes in circles. Hmm. Essentially, yeah. I noticed that you've uh, you've relaunched or freaked your website, the tank. Uh,
1: take, oh, we're constantly um, take, Yeah, we're like constantly uh, fixing and changing and um, updating our website. I probably um, go in there and tinker with it um, once a week, once a fortnight, um, and add something to it and evolve it slightly. So, um, yeah, and that's you know, I just do that myself. I've just built it. Mm-hmm. um myself you know having a dot-com background kind of helps and um yeah it's probably fortnightly but it sort of updates and changes yeah
0: how much of the you... things that i Sorry. go on sam go on
2: oh, one of the things i really like about i think what you do is you, you put you put a big emphasis on on language and words i think a lot of agencies you know go straight to images where you you use you know actually describe the things that that, that you're talking about and and, and through your blog is writing something that you've always always loved, or is it something that you sort of built upon? Yeah. Um,
1: yes, I've loved always loved writing, um, and yes, I've always I've built upon it. Um, I think I've learnt so much from journaling, and uh, which is why I call my. Um, My blog at uh, jimantanopoulos.com, a a weekly journal. Like uh, one of my favourite books is um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which is essential, which the Roman emperor, um, which is essentially a collection of his journals. And I've learned so much by just sitting down, um, closing the door, and just writing something, even if it's two sentences or um, something that just capture my thoughts. Um, That's been an enormously powerful thing for me um, and I think someone it was actually the person that I mentioned in her job interview the job interview that um, we talked about her exit. that person actually mm-hmm. said to me that uh, writing and drawing are my mindful tasks um, they're my um, my meditative tasks so I get kind of lost in them which yeah I really love it mm-hmm. um, yeah yeah and yes, you're absolutely right. Sam. Um, our industry kind of goes to the pretty pictures first and foremost. Um, I think we can create a little bit, a lot more intelligence around our work if we um, uh, meditate on it, or journal it, or you know write about it. It's something
2: that I've appreciated, like you know, learning within the industry and growing the industry, and and people like yourself that are better, better willing to share. Right? But, it, you know, that's that's basically how I've learned. Everything is by is is by just reading, you know, the, the thoughts and experiences of other people, and I think going back and then actually, you know, if, if you're at a point giving that back out is really important, and, and sharing sharing the knowledge collectively. Mm,
1: that's really important. Um, it's one of our values, um, which are on our website. You know, teach everything you know, um, because when we share our knowledge, we all grow. And that kind of rhymes, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of our values, and. Uh, that's really important to us. Okay.
0: Um also just just a bit curious. How um how often do you do you look at the stats on your website and see, you know, where people are going, you know, heat maps and things like that? Uh
1: never. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I'm too i I'm yeah. too busy doing. Like um the someone said to me uh, the only metrics that count. Uh, Emails in your inbox and money in your bank account. So (laughs) I know that's crude, um, but you know, like for example, um, every Tuesday at ten AM, I write my weekly journal, or it gets published, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The only the metrics that I I don't look at who unsubscribes or how many people unsubscribes. I don't look at um, how many people opened or clicked, etc. All I look at is how many people reply, and I get. Uh, last week, I think there were 50 odd replies to the email. Uh, that, to me, is impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I look at the content of those replies. Um, you know, the, the kind of emotional tug that exists in a lot of those questions. Which, and for me, that's been the highlight of my career to be able to impact and provide value through writing and creating um, things on that um, weekly journal. Um, I've had. The most amazing, amazing um, professional relationships through that, um, and shared some amazing stories, and I feel humbled just um, the fact that some people would even share that, share some of the stories with me. Mm-hmm. So for me, they're the metrics that count, not what Google Google Analytics mm-hmm. um, serves up for me. Yes, you know, analytics are valuable, um, of course. In you know, a, um, but you know, speaking contextually around what we're talking about, no, I don't look at them. Mm-hmm.
2: But I think that that is we talk about a lot with clients around. You know, like metrics are metrics, right? You, you can get a you can get a bunch of numbers here, but at the end of the day, it's you know, are more people calling you up? Is you know, yeah. are you actually getting? You know, what, what, what what's the actual tangible benefit there? Sure, there's things that you can tweak along the way, and they they they're useful. But I think that it's the uh, it's the reality. Of the situation is you know is. Am i making an impact I mean, and that level of engagement with people actually coming back and not only has, you know giving it a tick yeah i read it or giving it a like but actually sharing something um the way it made them feel i love it when people comment there's so many is this culture of people scrolling through their facebook feed and liking mm-hmm. something I, I talk to mates sometimes and I'm like oh you know i listened to the podcast you did last week or i read something and we'll have a conversation i'm like oh I mean, that's great that you listen to it, but you know you, you have no idea unless you know unless they have that conversation with you via exactly. social media. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. You know it blows me away, and I've been writing a weekly article now for three or three or four years now. it blows me away that someone on the other side of the world or another state that doesn't know who the fuck I am, uh, we've never met them, and I probably never would have met them. It blows me away that they would stop what they're doing, hit reply and spend, I don't know, 20 minutes of their time writing back to me. That blows me away. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that people would do that, and they do, and that for me is what I, that's more, more important to measure that than, um, you know, click rates or,
0: um, you know, page views. Yeah, it's kind of that good, you know, um, emotional feedback, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Um,
2: all right. I think that yeah, obviously help, it helps drive you uh, right in next week's journal. When you started doing it, and, and you didn't, weren't getting those emails? Did you find it, you know, difficult to sort of you know ship those thoughts out? Were you sort of like, right, I'm just putting, I'm, put, I'm putting myself out here. Is anybody going to read this? Did you have those kind of thoughts? Or what yeah, did? of
1: course, yeah. of course. Starting anything is really difficult. Um, starting anything is really difficult. But then you've got to. Um, know i'm quite a persistent bastard you know i think um i really like uh rhythm structure repetition i really like that i like systems um and within those within that rhythm structure and systems i love being creative within that um so for me all it was was a weekly rhythm that i was establishing um i was learning as i was going um and just momentum um Momentum is really important. Once you do one, you'll do a, You'll do a second one. If you don't, then you got to look at yourself, not at the content. Um, once you do two, you'll do three. And if you don't, you have got to look at yourself, not the content. <laughs> Most people give up because they just can't be fucked. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I had a client. T- I had a client tell me that she um, she wrote a blog post. She was really proud of it. She said, "Oh, Jim, I wrote that blog post. It's on LinkedIn. It's really great." And it was. It was really great. And I asked her. I said, "What are you going to write on the next one? And when are you going to do it?" She's like, "I haven't thought that far yet."
2: <laughs> like, oh.
1: <laughs> jeez, you know. And I, I don't think there's a second one yet. So, yeah, you know, I think momentum is really powerful. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's, um, like I mean, with us with this podcast, I mean, it took us a really long time to get it going, but you know, now I think we're close to, um, I think we're close to like a hundred podcasts now.
1: Mate, I'm so impressed. I was looking at it today. Well done, guys. Like (laughs) seriously, and what an honour. I was looking through the um, the, just the guests that you've had. The diversity, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. nothing bores me more than the same, same, same people talking about the same, same fucking thing and and, but you know the diversity and i've been listening to a number of your shows um has been really amazing and yeah congratulations thank you
2: it's just it's one of those things that i think you know nick talked about about for two years three years probably but then once you get into that groove and and it's you know there's there's that i think it's it's just it's good for creativity it's good that it's like it's kind of like writing where you where you're stuck you know I don't look at my phone for an hour, and I actually just have a conversation with somebody, which is, you know, which is awesome. Wonderful. Mm -hmm.
1: It's absolutely wonderful. And you know, a friend and I are thinking of um, exploring podcasting in the near future, so um, I'll let you know. I'll let you know what that looks like. (laughs) Um, All
0: right, guys. I think we're we're um, going to wrap right now. So um, thanks for your time, Jim. That was that was awesome.
1: Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's Mm -hmm. a real honour. Thanks, Sam. No,
2: no, thanks. Really enjoy uh, reading your reading your journal and all the content that you put out. So keep yeah. it up, mate.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, cool. I'll um, I'll link to the episode.
0: Yeah. Um. Also, Jim, yeah. uh, what what be the best um outlets to find you on uh, online?
1: Um. My weekly journal is jimantinopoulos com. Mm-hmm. Uh. Tank is at weartank.com.au com and strategy masterclass is at strategy masterclasscom Um. But you go to any one of them, you'll find the other. So
0: uh, yeah sweet no worries i mean we'll we'll um, include those links in the description too so.
2: awesome so, thank you so much and, and nick's going to be making a, a video uh about your strategy masterclass, aren't you, Nick? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah. uh, awesome. Yeah. Do one of the um, the
1: student stories. That will be great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. uh, I, yeah I, would, sure. I would like that. Yeah.
0: It's in the pipeline. Yeah. It's coming. Awesome.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, right. guys. Uh, so, thanks so much for the time, Jim. Thanks, mate. Pleasure. Anytime. Take care. us. Bye. All right. We'll so see you around.